0: Hi, this is Steve Thompson, and today we're reading Exodus 24 as we watch the sealing of the covenant, the act of basically everyone gathering around the agreement and signing their name to it to make it a legally binding document. But this is what it looked like in their day. Then the Lord instructed Moses, Come up here to me. And bring along Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and seventy of Israel's elders. All of you must worship from a distance. Only Moses is allowed to come near to the Lord. The others must not come near, and none of the other people are allowed to climb up the mountain with him. Then Moses went down to the people and repeated all the instructions and regulations the Lord had given him. All the people answered with one voice, We will do everything the Lord has commanded. Then Moses carefully wrote down all the Lord's instructions. Early the next morning, Moses got up and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. He also set up twelve pillars, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent some of the young Israelite men to present burnt offerings and to sacrifice bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. Moses drained half the blood from these animals into basins. The other half, he splattered against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it aloud to the people. Again, they all responded, We will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. Then Moses took the blood from the basins and splattered it over the people, declaring, Look, this blood confirms the covenant the Lord has made with you in giving these instructions. Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel climbed up the mountain. There they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet there seemed to be a surface of brilliant blue lapis lazuli as clear as the sky itself. And though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, he did not destroy them. In fact, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in his presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain, stay there, and I will give you the tablets of stone on which I have inscribed the instructions and commands so you can teach the people. So Moses and his assistant Joshua set out, and Moses climbed up the mountain of God. Moses told the elders, Stay here and wait for us until we come back. Aaron and Hur are here with you. If anyone has a dispute while I'm gone, consult with them. Then Moses climbed up the mountain, and the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord settled down on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, the Lord called Moses from inside the cloud to the Israelites at the foot of the mountain. The glory of the Lord appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. Then Moses disappeared into the cloud as he climbed higher up the mountain. He remained on the mountain 40 days and forty nights. Okay. Well, first of all, that is just a way messier, gorier way to seal the deal. I think most of us would probably prefer spitting in our hands and shaking on it to all of this slaughtering of animals and throwing a blood around on everything. But for them, this was standard procedure for agreeing to a major accord, a major agreement. It's hard to not take things seriously when you have the warm blood of a freshly sacrificed ox dripping down your face and onto your clothes. You just see things differently with that. But that also brings me to my biggest question for today. I think a lot of us are a little familiar with the gist of how This whole thing went down. So we're thinking, don't these very same people who just said, we will do everything the Lord has commanded, we will obey. Aren't they the ones who just in a few chapters build a golden calf at some point while Moses is still up in that cloud hanging out with God? Yep, the same people. Then what's going on? What were they thinking? Were they lying? Did they have their fingers crossed? Did they just not take this seriously? I mean, why or why not? Interestingly enough, uh, we get to see a few of the other leaders who were part of this ceremony who actually got to see God and have dinner in his very presence Two of them, Nadab and Abihu, were actually Aaron's two oldest sons. So Aaron obviously is Moses' brother. Aaron is becoming the high priest for Israel, and he has his two sons with them. And if you've read through these first books of the Bible before, you might remember that uh, in Leviticus, these very same guys who've had this dramatic life-changing encounter with Yahweh. They're going about their routine as high priests, and they offer sacrifices to God like they do all the time. But on this particular occasion down the road, they basically do it the wrong way. But it's in a way that they would have known perfectly well was wrong and completely dishonoring God, God and not at all how they had ever done it before. It wasn't a mistake. So when they did that, the fire from the altar blazed out and consumed them, and they died. And it was very clearly God's judgment. So it begs the question, were these people just not serious? How could they go so wrong? How could they mess up so badly? How could they make such stupid decisions? Here's what I think might be helpful to remember. First, we need to understand the nature and purpose of God entering into this covenant with humans, with the Hebrew people in the first place. So the, the first, the primary goal is so that we get to know and learn God's character. We're understanding, beginning to understand who he is and what he's about. And then after that, it's to teach then us the kind of character required in order to enter into a relationship with this God, with this holy God. And then because of that, the third purpose of the covenant then is to demonstrate that there's something radically wrong in the human heart and spirit. Humanity needs to just understand how broken it is before we're ready to accept, let alone ask for, any kind of help. We have this remarkable capacity to self-deceive and to convince ourselves that we're okay, or at least we're better than that other person. <laughs> we're, we're always comparing ourselves and usually to the wrong standard. The law, the covenant, helps us to properly self-evaluate. Here's the other helpful reminder. Experiences alone are insufficient to keep a commitment, let alone to stay in a faithful relationship. Now, don't get me wrong. Experiences are great. And I think they're actually an essential part of our relationship with anyone especially God, but on their own, they're just not enough to build a solid relationship on. I've been doing some premarital counseling lately, and I found myself making this observation again to this awesome young couple. And I'm positive that every couple that I've ever had the privilege of performing their marriage ceremony for has been 100% honest and sincere When they said every line of their vows. Including the until death do us part. uh, Part. (laughs) But I've been doing this for 20 years now. And I'm grieved at how many of those marriages have fallen apart. These were great people with great intentions. Making sincere promises to each other. But it wasn't enough. Experiences are a fantastic and necessary peace but the deciding factor the foundational piece is the people's ability to fully surrender to the other that's my conclusion I think Paul said the same thing in his letter to the Ephesians but he used the phrase mutual submission submit to one another Husbands, love your wives in a continuously self-sacrificial way. And wives, respect and honor your husbands. Submit to one another. When it comes to God, the word I use all the time is surrender. The extent to which I am willing to give over control of every area of my life is the extent to which God is able to change, fill, and use me. We need to remember how God has rescued us and redeemed us. We need to tell the story of how we've experienced and encountered God in fresh, new ways, recent ways even. But today, and I think every day, the decision we make every day going forward is this. Today, I choose to surrender. I surrender my rights in order to gain freedom. I choose to submit. I choose to submit my will to one whose will bleeds with passion for me. I choose to love even and especially when I don't feel it. I choose to pursue because I know that it's life's highest calling and deepest fulfillment. Father God, I'm hoping that I'm praying along with everybody listening along. I surrender all. All that I know of me to surrender, I surrender to all that I know of you. So Father, take what I'm offering and use it, refine it, and help us know where there's still areas, other areas that maybe we're dangerously still holding on to. Lord, thank you for the experiences, those genuine encounters that we've had of you. They're so special and so significant. And yet, Father, I pray that it's these decisions that we're making right now that will carry us deeper and further and protect us from some of those goofy decisions that can really be disastrous. So, Father, we pray all these things and Jesus name Amen